Hello folks, I'm John Ansell for the um, for the now video, it seems, um, Liberty NZ podcast. And uh, I'm talking to Dr. Alana Ratner, again, because she's so interesting. And I, I, was, I will tell you what I've been up to. I've been um, doing a couple of interesting things, going to convoy protests in Woodville, of all places, and, and Wellington. And I'll just play you the soundtrack from... Woodville. This could play for the entire hour if we wanted to. Such was the intensity of the traffic, the trucks, the uh, the utes, the vans, vehicles of all shapes and sizes with all manner of signs. None of them terribly favourable to our Prime Minister, funnily enough. Not sure why. Uh, talking to an old timer there who was three when the Queen came. Uh, it's the biggest thing that's happened in Woodville since 1953, where there may have been more flags or there may not have been. But, uh, yeah, that's the general drift of what was happening at these protests. They're now camped on Parliament lawn. The last I heard, um, they were being asked politely by the government to leave, but I'm not sure if they were that, uh, that responsive to that request. Anyway, I want to talk to Dr Alana about... Uh, something that a man, uh, your friend, uh, Matt Shelton, uh, I met at Wellington Railway Station yesterday. He showed me some very disturbing pictures. I'll put one of them up here. Bearing in mind that there are apparently no straight lines. Is that coming across? No. Just a moment. Share screen. I've got to press. This is the first time, folks. Uh... Just sharing a picture here, I hope. No, it's not playing along. Anyway, what I was going to say was that there are no straight lines in nature, but there are straight lines in this picture, if I can get it up, as it were. Um, sorry, just hold it in front. Oh, you can hold one in front. Oh, the old technology. Okay, let's, let's, let's do that. I'll just find it on the phone and then I'll hold it up. It'll be here. Here we are. Okay, let's get a good one. Are you going to show us? Ah, that's it. Yes, there's no no straight lines in nature, but there certainly are straight lines in that thing, which is inside the bodies of the vaccinated. Is that correct? Yes. So I'll I'll talk about it while you try and fiddle it. Yeah. Well, that'll do. Okay. Um, So about mid to late last year, I think it was around about September, October, a group called La Punta Columna in Spain put a drop of vaccine onto some slides and looked at it. They were trying to figure out why there was so much graphene oxide in the slides, in the um, vaccine. And what they found was quite astonishing and surprised everyone, and it appeared to be nanocircuitry in the vaccine. And other scientists have repeated this around the world, and some of them have been murdered in the process, so we Elena, on. Sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt. Is there anything you can do about the sound there? Am I not... Are you not hearing me? I'm not hearing you as well as I'd like to. What about that? Is that better? Oh, just... just You sat a little bit closer just before. Is that better? I think so. Yes. Carry on. Okay, so... Um, in New Zealand... We wanted to replicate the same thing that La Quinta Columna had found, but it's been very difficult getting any vaccine vials um, from anywhere because obviously they don't want us to do this. But luckily, at the end of last year, a scientist physician um, who cannot be named because he needs to protect himself um, got some vials and put drops under the microscope and discovered the same business of circuit, what appears to be nanocircuitry in the vaccines. Now he used a special dark field electron microscope which magnifies things 4,000 times above normal because obviously you cannot see something of nanoscale with your naked eye. And he he drove around town, left them in the hot car, left them in the cold car, drove them past 4G and 5G cell towers and it seemed to be that the heat was what caused the images to appear. So there seems to be some sort of nanocircuitry in the vaccines and it seems to be a self-assembling nanocircuitry and it seems to be 
able to move, because when the slide shifted, the nanosurfactory moved off its foundation. So it also seemed to leave some sort of shadow. So it's definitely something real in there. And we need to repeat the experiment because unfortunately it was done without a chain of um, a chain of evidence. So we have to do it again with a lawyer or a policeman filming us getting the vial from a reputable place such as chemist, filming it being looked at, filming the whole step of the process. So we've got a, a legalized chain of events. Um, that's in process now, so that's good. We've got the laboratory getting the vaccine and away it will go. And Matt Shelton is organizing that with the help of a very good man by the name of Gene Sadler. Oh. And, uh, yeah, so it's all very exciting. So Matt and Sue tried to get a meeting with the Ministry of Health and were denied. And then they tried to link into a Zoom meeting and were basically um pushed away and said this is ridiculous. Medfake has labelled it a conspiracy theory and says that we refuses to follow it up even ever any further. Ideally, we'd like them to look at it themselves. But the Pfizer contract for other countries, which we um, understand is the same as the Pfizer contract for our country, which the government has repeatedly refused to release to us, us being NZD, SOS, um, states that the government may not analyze, sterilize, or do anything with the contents of the Pfizer vaccine vial. So we are not, the government is not allowed to analyze it to see what it contains, and no government is allowed to. So our government is saying to our people that this vaccine is safe, despite their never having independently analyzed it, and no other government having independently analyzed it either. And despite you having, and despite your guys having independently analysed it. It's So they are, our government is very stupidly trusting Pfizer as to what they say is a vaccine. Now, this is a company that just a few years ago had to pay out $2.2 billion after losing a fraud battle in court in America. So our company is trusting the most untrustworthy company in the history of companies. In the history of companies. That, what is safe in the vaccine is safe. Well, I'm sorry, but that's just BS. It's not safe. If anyone knew what was in there, they would probably be absolutely horrified and absolutely furious and would never get their booster shots, which, by the way, don't work. So mm. what have we got here? We're re redoing it. The government is calling it misinformation and a conspiracy theory because they have no way of analyzing it without forfeiting their sovereign assets because that is what they have put up as collateral or as um, their punishment for breaking the contract is our sovereign assets, which the Reserve Bank, the land, the water, probably has something to do with stealing all the infrastructure and putting it under free waters, may have something to do with Heipurapura, but actually might have something to do with handing the water over to Pfizer if we are losing it as a sovereign asset. So the government has screwed us. So unless I missed in case I missed it did you say that the government has seen have seen these photographs yes. but are denying them yes. they, are, they are saying that they are somehow fraudulent they're saying that it's a conspiracy theory and they have told their staff that it's a conspiracy theory a conspiracy theory not just a conspiracy hopefully they're running around in a whole lot of mad turmoil behind the scenes panicking their heads off yes but, um, so they've seen mm -hmm. the photographs. They've seen the photographs that make that, that look like um, those photographs of Nazca Plain in, I think, mm -hmm. Peru. Those sort of UFO landing strips or whatever they are supposed to be. Um, they are that linear, and yet the government says that some, that, that is just sort of a conspiracy theory. Those photographs are a theory. If they accept yeah. it, they're going to have to explain themselves and they can't explain themselves and they can't test the vial to prove us wrong or prove us right so they're really stuck yes and, and they're really for the hygiene to get away from it yes and they're stabbing five-year-olds and these these things are in the bodies of new zealanders so uh, i would imagine and we can only imagine and hypothesize because we don't know for sure. But I would imagine that these uh, nano circuits, which will be used for tracking, 
people, for example, they may be able to, again, we do not know, they may be able to measure your heart rate and may be able to measure mm. um, how much energy you're using when you're sleeping, when you're awake, whatever you're doing, where you go, what shops you enter, they may even be able to um, record what you purchase through from through digital yeah. payment. They may even be able to um, connect you into the Internet of Things. They'll be used as a social credit system. But you've been, you've shown them, you've shown them, you've shown them, or Matt's shown, or the other people have shown them, that um, that these are actually in the vaccine. Do they deny that? They do, do they? They say it's a conspiracy theory. So whether that's a denial... Is that a yes or a no? <laughs> it's not really a yes or a no, but I, I think that they've never looked at the vials because yeah. they're not allowed to. So they can't say an emphatic no. Yeah. And they don't want to agree with us because that will make them blatant liars, which they already know they are. Mm. So they call it conspiracy theory because they really don't know what else to say. But the public, all of the, the public, the team of five million, don't know what we know. They don't know but that they are liars. So that's the yeah. challenge: is to make put this in front of the public of New Zealand, and and show them what is inside them. Imagine today, internet. Um, Today, speech uh, outside Parliament or steps of Parliament, and um, that's recorded and is on the net. And the, um, the original person that did it has also got it up on the net, so it's there. And people are either going to be in complete denial because they don't want to know about it because it's too scary, or they're going to get really angry. And the minute MedSafe boss walks down the street, they'll lynch him. Yes, and possibly not the only person that they'll be doing that to. Although I do, I do have to reiterate that I think um, lethal injection would be more appropriate, uh, given what they're doing to us. But still, there are the lynching fans, so, you know. A slow, painful lethal Well, I mean, that would be nasty. But um, it's just incredible. I tried to give blood yesterday. I, um, why? Because um, I, excuse me, I just got to close this thing down. Yeah, a good I yeah I was in Molesworth Street, Wellington, opposite Parliament, and there was this um, blood bus, blood uh, donation bus, and I I know from um, having given blood before, but they're, they're rather fond of mine because uh, it's a particular type, which you may be able to remind me, that is uh, can be basically put into anyone. It's very compatible um, with the most people. Do you know which one that is? I well, I'm just trying to get the name of the blood first so I can remember for my own purpose. Do you know what type that is? Oh, I'm not sure what type you oh. are. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, so I thought, well, I'll have a go for two reasons. One, because I thought it would be quite nice to, you know, to do the right thing um, since it was there and I had nothing much better to do um, than wait for the next, uh, the next truck convoy. And uh, so I went in. It was uh, outside this blood bank. So we went into the blood bank, and oh my goodness, there's a vaccine, vaccine pass. You've got to have your Nazi pass to give blood. So I said to the, I said to this woman, um, so you're telling me that that I that in order to give blood, I have to it has to be contaminated, sort of with uh, with trillions of little little time bombs, uh, you know, consisting of little little graphene hydroxide razor blades, as I understand it. From the man who was subsequently murdered for pointing it out, Dr. Andres Andres Nowak, and uh, you know the stuff that uh, causes five-year-olds to die of heart attacks from the time bombs in their blood tunnels, and and, and I, my blood has to be like that before it can go into a, a New Zealander's body. And, and she didn't take too kindly to that. She seemed to want me to leave. <laughs> And um, and there ensued a, a little discussion which got louder and louder and um, resulted in me calling her a, a disgrace, uh, which she didn't seem to like. Her face was going redder and redder, but she probably knew the truth. She just didn't like to have it pointed out. That's what's happening in this country. They know the truth. The enemy knows the truth. They are the enemy of the people. They know they're the enemy of the people, and increasingly the people know that they know that they're the enemy of the people. But they press on, and it, it requires, you know... Convoys of trucks and 
people getting angry on Parliament lawn, sleeping there until they stop before they do the right thing. I had a phone call from a lady yesterday um, on the way to the hospital with her daughter who needed a blood transfusion because she had become so anemic. And they said they were told that only spiked blood was available and what could they do about it. So I said, well, you need to find someone with the same blood type as you. So turn the car around because she wasn't at death's door and go and ask all your unvaxxed friends what blood type they are and get someone that matches or several people that match and get them to donate blood to you. So they turned the car around and went home and hopefully they found people. I think, are you O negative? Well, I just uh, I I can't remember, but I know it's um it's 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 one that is in demand. Blood. Sorry. You better find out in case you need blood. Yeah. Well, group because what everyone needs to do is get a little group around them of people who are unvaxxed and has the same have the same blood type. So I'm A plus, and I've I've got four typical. people in my in, in my <laughs> town who are A plus. So we have all agreed to donate blood to each other if an emergency situation arises. The other oh. thing you can do is autologous transport, where you train, um, donation where you donate your own blood and you have it stored and then you have it back when you need it. Yeah. And, um, you can certainly don't want to take the spike yeah. blood nano circuitry. That's just reminded me of a friend whose daughter now realises what's happening and um, she is uh, harvesting her own eggs, I think, for later use, realising that she might be... Not able yeah. to conceive, or not able to carry something like that. Conceiving, and she may not be able to hold the pregnancy. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Well, that's the other thing. You know, who do you believe? This, the, the great, the, the great doctors of the world, like Dr. Zev Zelenko, who talks about, yeah. you know, you know, uh, the, the, what does he say? The uh, the um, the side effects of these things. You know, myocarditis, pericarditis. You know, infertility. You know. Uh, uh, miscarriages in the first trimester from ten, risen from ten percent to eighty, eighty-one percent. This sort of thing. Do you believe guys like that? You know, uh, or do you believe Ashley Bloomfield, the state doctors of New Zealand, who are state bribed and state brainwashed and uh, haven't seen a patient, as you reminded us, in um, quarter of a century or something like that? And it you seems a pretty. It'll get, it'll get you if you're standing up without a mask, but it won't get you if you're sitting down. Yeah, and he said that masks were no good last year, but now they are. Apparently, they, maybe there's been a major uh, achievement in mask technology in the same actual masks. <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing. They don't like plastic bags, uh, but they don't seem to mind masks, sort of masking exactly. dolphins and and whales and turtles. And <laughs> well, I was listening to one of the state doctors, possibly the worst state doctor in the country, who is Brian Betty? He is a GP who used who is used to be head of Pharmac or deputy head of Pharmac and is now head of the Royal New Zealand College of General Practitioners and has um, also owned his own pharmaceutical um, marketing training company since 1994. He trains up drug reps on how best to sell pharmaceuticals to GPs. So he is. Um, a lot of conflict of interest, but he was there on 1ZB yesterday spouting out a whole load of rubbish saying that if you get the booster, you'll be 90% protected from Omicron. Well, I don't know what's good in New Zealand. Maybe we've got different water or different air or different rain because Omicron, even the head of Pfizer says that the vaccines and the boosters will not protect you from Omicron, that they are useless against Omicron. And countries like Israel and the UK and, and USA show us that the boosters are useless against Omicron. So where Brian Betty gets his 90% efficacy for the boosters against Omicron from, I don't know, out of thin air because he's lying mm. or he's got some special information that exists only in New Zealand. He must be pretty bad to, the, to be worse than um, Dr. Rod, someone that you wrote a blistering oh, letter to. He's not a doctor. He's, he's an epidemiologist. He's one that says that Omicron will hunt out the unvaccinated and get them all. Well, yes. he, he's just lost the plot, I think. I really do. Omicron's about as dangerous as a cold, isn't it? Well, Something like some, that. People, some people don't. I, I know lots of people who've had Omicron in South Africa, and they say it's like a snuffly, bit of a sore throat, a bit of a snuffle. Hmm. Other people have a cough that goes on for a while, but it's certainly not going to kill you unless you're already on the way out because you're 
how heavy you smoke, you're obese, you're diabetic, you're whatever, that you would have died of something anyway. Mm. Yeah, I said you could fill up on um, back injuries. Carol and I hospitalized you a couple of weeks ago, only had back injuries in it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I met some people yesterday. Uh, you know, uh, people that I didn't expect to meet who knew Grant Edwards from the Liberty NZ podcast. Oh, oh. This is in Wellington, and I bowled up to a couple of people, and they're both from Whangarei, uh, as an increasing number of people seem to be these days. It seems to be almost the, the centre of all this, um, both positive and negative. You know, media people on the positive side and sufferers on the downside. And... Awful Nazi leaders handing out prizes to children who get their vaccines, killing yeah. their own people. I mean, one of these guys who, are, who has agreed to talk, so I, I won't say his name until he does, but he was telling me that uh, uh, he has a neighbour in Devonport Naval Base who is in the decompression chamber, bleeding from every orifice after the jab. Um, he knows another chap whose who's 49-year-old daughter died, and um, we are making uh, inroads into perhaps getting that person to talk uh, in rather the same terms as um, Ashley Wilson, um, fiance of Rory Nairn, who died. Uh, and that would be a coup, I think. Um, another chap, but another chap, um, who is a patient of Dr. Damien Wojcik, am I saying yeah. that? Who is a wonderful inspirational doctor, rather like, like a good self, and like uh, Dr. Bernard Conlon and all the other inspirational, Matt, Matt Shelton. He's one of those, he's in that league, and he would he will come on and talk about his wonderful 20-year uh, relationship with this doctor, who fortunately, um, fortunately for him, he's able to go, keep going to because it's, the waiting list is as long as, is as long as a very long thing. You can't get in to Damien Wojcik because he's so honest. Um, but this particular chap has uh, sent me an email uh, of a whole list of people that he knows. He's just a regular guy, runs a building company, I think, but he's saying, you know, so-and-so's Air Force friend, myocarditis, there were four of those. Um, So-and-so, his cousin, died of blood clots. Um, our truck driver's friend's sister died of a heart attack age 15, and her brother died of a heart attack uh, age 16. And that's, I think that's zeroing in on a, on a couple that we know about. Um, we may be able to get more information about that. Mm, and you're aware of that. but Yeah, so I, I put him onto that job. But he hasn't finished. The list hasn't finished. This is just a re regular guy. Auntie so-and-so had one chamber of her heart die. So-and-so, his apprentice, this is, he's, a, he's a builder, building company, his apprentice had myocarditis. Auntie so-and-so's dentist in such-and-such, such, age 35, died of blood clots. His cousin, uh, his cousin's friend died of blood clots on the beach after his surf, age 38. Um, a midwife that he knows lost all her babies to miscarriages from vaccinated mums for the month. This tallies what, with what you've been saying. And a couple more, uh, no, three more. Uh, another chap got shingles a few days after. Uh, their babysitter, well, her auntie, died of blood clots. And um, somebody with another, another name uh, had uh, lung trouble after first shot, then heart attack after second shot. That is one man from Wangarei who actually knows Grant and has been on this podcast, I think. But you might just say a random guy. There's no, he's not particularly qualified in a medical sense to be dealing with injured people he's just a guy and uh, and then i guys out there like that who know a lot of people yeah there must be a lot more people out there who also know a lot of people yeah and then i heard overheard an argument a heated argument between a bus driver and bus drivers didn't get through an awful lot yesterday uh the roads were too blocked so bus drivers are not in the happiest of moods and neither were there um their passengers, there weren't too many on this bus, but there was this huge argument between a bus driver and a guy, and the guy was saying, I thought he'd said, you know, my mother dropped dead four hours after the vaccine, in fact, when I went to talk to him, somewhat trepidatiously, because uh, I don't like those sort of, you know, talking to someone about, about their mother having died, but it wasn't his mother, it was his friend's mother, uh, and his friend is, is, is too distressed to talk, but he will talk about his friend and the mother. So that'll be another, another interview. Just, just, just a reason. A, this is just a random wander around. Yeah. 
a protest yielded all this. Then there was a nurse who will also come on, and, and she, she has left her the nursing practice she was part of. She was the only one that left, but because of what she saw. Uh, and this, is just, this is just my day yesterday, just wandering about. Did she leave because she leave because she saw that the GPs were covering up deaths? I can't comment, Your Honour, because I don't know. But but she she was quite keen to talk about what she had seen, and she I will do a so. A brave lady from sort of Central North Island who left because the GPs knew that two of the patients had died shortly after their vaccination, but they were making so much money and had made about two hundred thousand at that time, from mid last year, that they were not going to. Um, the CAM report said that GPs people died of the vaccine. They they did other. They put something else in it to get the pill. So she walked out because she couldn't participate yeah. in it. I wouldn't be surprised. There's a GP around here that I'm aware of um, who is well aware. He's the head of a practice and he knows exactly what's up, but he's not talking out. He's not speaking out. This brings it. You had 5,000 patients and you got $300 per jab to $600 per two jab. $900 per three jabs, and you had 5,000 patients. Wouldn't you want to jab them all? Mm. Well, if you're, if you're of a certain ethical persuasion, yes, I suppose I you would. You can imagine that quite a few people would want to. Yeah, yeah. And this, is, this brings us back to the, what we were talking about the last time we spoke, which was the, uh, the culpability mm. of, of, the, of the parents of the dead children. Who will not? Who would rather take the state's hundreds of thousands of dollars than warn other parents of other children? And that's well, I think they yeah. to get their kid vaccinated, so they're already coercible. They've been coerced to take the waiver and the money. So, in theory, if they're that coercible, we should be able to coerce them to speak. So, we are trying that angle now to mm. nicely coerce some of them to speak. And um, someone is on to that as as we speak. But if, oh, they, if they take the money after their child dies and refuse to speak out, then they are guilty for the deaths or at least partially responsible for the deaths of every child in this country that dies thereafter because their parents were not warned by other parents whose children had already died. I, I can't get my head around why someone wouldn't speak out and try and protect the rest of the children. Money, 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 money is the reason, and that is a disgrace, and this is why we need a whole ethical reset in this well, world. family in Auckland who have just declined $800,000 after their child died, and we are hoping that they will speak out. They have declined it. They declined $800,000. Wow. Yeah. And so we're hoping that they're having declined that will mean that they are going to speak out. Did that just happen in recent days? About a week ago, so... Nothing well, more to say on that, but um, hopefully, fingers crossed. Well, that's a heroic position. And if they one... do that, they will give so much support. Yeah. People will support them and open their arms and give them probably more than $800,000 yes. to speak about. They would right. be heroes. Those people would be heroes. That's right. That's what we have to ask people. Which side of history do you want to be on? They and it's coming. So many children's lives they speak out. Mm. What I mean, how much can you tell us about that child? Is it is it how old? Are you? Yeah, I, I, mean, I can only tell you that. that right. Those parents speak. They think the child is twelve, but if those parents speak out, they will be heroes forever because they will save so many other children from dying. That's right. Every parent in this country will be grateful to them, and their child will not have died in vain. That's absolutely right, and. Um, I'm not sure the others have thought it through. As you, I mean, you crystallised it brilliantly the other day. You're either going to feel guilty for getting your own child effectively murdered without your knowledge that that was going to happen, or you're going to be guilty of preventing, of preventing others from not yeah. being murdered. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, this is increasingly a, um, an ethical struggle. And we're seeing two camps and I saw them yesterday. I, I went on the bus and on the train and then back on the train and the bus. I didn't wear a mask. Uh, I haven't been wearing masks at the local supermarket or the other one downtown, uh, down the road. I feel a little bit, um, a little bit nervous about it. But um, 
I haven't been no, molested. Yeah. I haven't been molested. Um, uh, a woman did cry out, you know, you're not wearing a mask. And I said, oh, you're very observant. Um, but I had some lines ready, should they have been required. I had a, a little pass thing, a little plastic exemption thing. Um, but uh, it didn't seem to, people didn't seem to come near. And I thought, I wonder if they're actually admiring, you know, the, the stance of these people that wander about with no masks. But there's so many that do. Wandering around the streets of the wire apple, which is pretty hot at this time of year, um, and uh, with masks on during the day in, you know, 28 degree heat. Or and not just the occasional one of them. We went into a restaurant um, on Queen's Wharf, a Mexican one, and inquired whether the I said, do you serve lepers? And I don't know if he quite understood, but he said we could come. There were about five of us, uh, um, the two people I mentioned before, and uh, and their kids. And but when they found out that you know actually what I was talking about was the unvaxxed, we didn't have the the Nazi pass, um, so we had to go. They would serve us because they they thought five sales would probably be quite good. The manager, but uh, we had to sit beyond the end of the restaurant on the public benches on Queen's Wharf. Fortunately, there were public benches that we could sit on. Uh, and uh, they brought them out in boxes. They, you know, they brought them out in the, the, the nachos and the pork belly, this and that, and, and on these little boxes. But they, we weren't allowed to buy drinks. We were not allowed to buy drinks because we were, we were the new Jews. And it was just an interesting experience all round. Um, this is the way they treat you. I've heard that they close the toilets to a lot of the uh, truckies on the way down. You must not buy your petrol from BP and Shell because BP and Shell refused to fill up any truckers in the convoy. Anyone in the convoy was denied fuel from BP and Shell, which legally I don't think you can deny a customer, but they did. So dump BP petrol stations and dump Shell petrol stations, which I think are called Z, are they? BP and Z. Right. Mm. Well, in Little Martinborough, we have two petrol stations. One of them's BP. I like to go, you know, I've, I like the people there. Um, but uh, I also like the other one, and it's, I think it's either a gull or a non-specific. I just can't remember, so I shall be filling up there. Those the one. My habit was to go to the BP more often than not and accumulate my BP points. Um, but perhaps I won't be doing that so much. And uh, the amount of money that's cost them, it doesn't bear thinking about for my little car, <laughs> a little flying flea that I've got. I don't suppose it will sadden them too much. But certainly, if the more well-to-do about the place start doing that, that's not going to be good. Uh, how dare they, as I like to say. How dare they. Uh, I don't know what the trucks did. A lot of, a lot of trucks uh, did have gallons and gallons of, of you know, plastic, uh, plastic fuel tanks and water tanks and all sorts of things. I mean, they, they really had to, these people really had to struggle. They had to figure out where they were going to stay, what they were going to eat. And they were, at, at Woodville, there was this wonderful man, I remember, and lots of other people. But this guy comes up and he said, now, oh, if, you, if, you, if, you, if you need a feed, uh, two streets away, we've got, we've got masses of food we've been preparing. And oh, I get emotional to think about it. Just like these people coming down from, from Northland. Uh, and these people in Woodville that, that, that knew they were coming and had been cooking for days and uh, we couldn't eat enough of it. <laughs> we'd just come up from the wire apple. I, I felt bad because I was just a relative local. Uh, but we'd made, you know, we'd made a bit of a hike just to, just to greet them. Some of us had food to give them as well. Uh, it's a real community effort. That was the thing that struck me. You've got thousands of people with little flags uh, and big flags and big signs and little signs and big trucks and little trucks and little cars. And, but everyone's interconnected, and the, the, the people feeding them and watering them, and, and then there are the other types. There was a soldier standing to attention. That really captured the hearts of a lot of people yeah. coming down. I think there was one in the South Island too. Put in the rain for two hours in his uniform. Yeah, where, where, where did you hear about that? Was that was that up near Woodville, or was that in South Island? I think it was a photo of the one that you sent me. You sent me a photo. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I thought I'd been seeing ones from the South somebody in the South Island, but then somebody who came from Waipawa, which was, funnily enough, where my parents met, 
on the way to the tennis club in 1953 and so we had a chat about that and then they said that the thing that struck them most from the whole day um, was the man standing to attention. It's my, it's my father in the, uh, in the photo, in the photo at, the, at the back. It was a painting that somebody did. And he was one of those guys, you know, he went off to, as one of thousands of soldiers, um, volunteers, uh, to go off and do his duty for, for uh, his country and his, his queen and his and freedom, I guess. Um, and that was just what you did. Um, and that's what they did in their thousands, and we are in that situation now, and that's what that guy was reminding us. Uh, we are up against a mortal enemy who is a wolf in sheep's clothing posing as a woman. Oh, uh, kindergarten, you know, teach, teaches us like, treats us like kindergarten students. In that smarmy, oily, greasy way. I think there'll be a, um, in, in my idea of an education system, a refashioned education system, there would be Jacinda Ardern studies so that we never do this again. Mm. And we would dissect what that woman has done and what she represents and how she's got away with a certain amount of it but will not, in the end, get away with it in her quest to become the head of the United Nation. She yeah, has uh, set up a massacre, um, nearly married a drug dealer really and bad. has... Sorry? Well, this is what I've heard that he's in jail, but uh, I've heard a lot of things. Ankle bracelets, someone says he's in Australia. Um, but who knows, but there's plenty of evidence of the old, um, of the old cocaine dealing from way back. And uh, this is the sort of person she is, and, uh, and now she is trying to kill as many people as possible, and the younger the better. Even in the womb, or on the birthing table, we well, you know that discussing abortion law which came in the last lockdown where a baby can be aborted for basically no reason right up to the day before it's born and then it can be left to die in pain if the abortion doesn't work and then I guess they sell the body parts because fetal body parts are a good roaring slave. But she put that through, she voted for that, she is evil pond scum but also it was put through, so a lot of the rest of Parliament voted for it as well. Yeah. So they are yeah. all as bad as each other. And in this coronavirus thing, they are all complicit. They are all bad. They all have to go. We have to clear out the entirety of Parliament and start again. The path is many who will have to be at least twice as ethical. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is possible. People say, oh, it's not possible. That's ridiculous. You know, that'll never happen. As though we've just come to accept it corruption has to as... Happen. It has to happen. Yeah, we, we've come to accept... It's, it's hard. People on our own side, I find that I get... I get depressed by people on my own side, not the other side. The other side are an easy target. We just need a lot of ethical people on our side. But the excuses that get made by the people on our side say, oh, it can't be done. You know, politicians are always going to be... Um, are always have always been corrupt and they're always going to be and even in New Zealand now we're starting to see that and they accept it as a given. Well, I don't because I see so many good people uh, like the NZDSOS. I've never been aware of this of this kind of doctor that will stand up and speak out like this. I've just I've just been aware of, of the sort of go along types. Um, there hasn't been anything terribly to worry about in, in, in to my knowledge. But maybe vaccines in general have been something to worry about, but I haven't been aware of that until now. And I see this whole different class of, uh, of practitioner that really love their patients and really try hard to fix them. Like, you know, and Zev Zelenko, the New Yorker, is, is kind of an international example of that. You know, he said, oh, you know, I'm supposed to believe that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm told that my patients are dying because... Because they're told that they, they just have to go home and you know wait till they turn blue, or there was, there was nothing that they could that could be done for them about this uh, to treat this um, this virus. So he just he just set to and 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 worked out how to heal how to heal them, which is kind of what been, doctors are supposed to do. There have always been dodgy drugs out there that are pushed by the pharmaceutical companies, and some doctors refuse to prescribe them because they are dodgy and they have side effects that are not worth it and. That's been going on for a very, very long time. But because it's only been a, a small group of people being affected, you can do that yourself. You can say, well, I'm not going to prescribe this to these people because I know that the side effects are this, that, and the other. But now this is affecting every single person in the world, which is unprecedented. 
who ever doesn't say something is complicit. And the most, you know, isn't there a quote goes something like the most dangerous man is a is a good man who knows but refuses not to do anything? Yeah. There's some like that. Mm. There's uh the hottest place in hell is reserved for the. Uh, the person who is in, in, in a time of crisis uh, reserves the right to say nothing or something like that. I made a little meme out of it somewhere. Uh, it preserves the preserves the neutrality. Preserves the neutrality. Yeah, I've got this book. You know what's going on, and you don't say anything. You're just as bad as the rest of them. Look at this. Apart from the fact that this this looks more like Sue Gray than Jacinda Ardern. This is the book that's being being peddled into New Zealand schools. On the back here, I'm reading I'm reading the back at the moment. Nobody is too young to start changing the world. When Jacinda was little, she wanted to be a clown. She succeeded. But when she saw schoolmates who didn't have lunch or even shoes, she knew she had to do something. Some kids laughed at her for wanting to help people so much or said she couldn't do it. But that didn't stop Jacinda. She became the Prime Minister of New Zealand and the world's youngest female leader. This is the true story of a trail <laughs> this is the true story of a trailblazer who has inspired many people around the planet by a by award winning author and illustrator team. And it goes on and says, right, let's rewrite another children's book about well, it. Yeah. How Jacinda Ardern wowed the world. And funnily enough, it's a shame Pen Bird's not here, but it was uh, Jacinda Ardern was born in Hamilton in 1980. The family moved to the forestry town of Murupara, where her father, Ross, was a 31st level mason. No, no, no um, um, was a policeman. Murupara had some poor family. So these are, this, is, this is Pem's crowd. Had some poor family. Jacinda's schoolmates sometimes had no shoes and no lunch. She wanted to do something about this. Isn't that wonderful? And that's where it all started. And then she went back. Well, get rid of the children who had no shoes and no lunch by vaccinating them. Yes, yes. So they may have no, they may have no, yeah. no lives, um, such such as her caring. No, it's just. I think it's it's the lie is so big, the evil is so monstrous that most people just it, just find it convenient to dismiss, even to the point of killing themselves and their own children. This is what we have to. I think we have to talk bluntly. Mm, so I do. Uh, your child might die if you give them this vaccine. Yeah. And they give them the vaccine. They don't question you. They don't say, why might my child die? They just say that's a conspiracy. Mm. They give the child the vaccine and then afterwards, anything that you might tell them, they don't want to know. They don't want to know anything because they've already done it. So therefore, mm. they cannot face the fact that they've made a mistake. No, it's a bit late after that. I, uh, my one success... Um, in parenting of late was um, unbeknownst to um, my um, my son who was about to inject his daughter the day after the start of the of the process the 18th of Jan I heard through other sources that uh, that was going to happen and I managed to get sufficient information through the other source before to get the reply that oh, we're not going to do it just now Right. So uh, I would get no thanks for that, and uh, they wouldn't probably find out unless they listened to this, which they wouldn't. Um, but uh, I may, yeah, I may have uh, saved my granddaughter's life, which is quite nice. But uh, I'm not sure that's the same for other family members. I don't think I succeeded in saving them, but hopefully they got the saline. Apparently there are some who get the saline, some who get the other. And then they they alter the proportions with each successive dose. The dose one is heavily weighted towards the saline, so I was told. Uh, dose, uh, dose two, the other way around, and God help us on the booster. As Dr. Sutra at Bhakti says, if you're going to have a third shot, make your will. Grim stuff. Yeah, they're saying now that people are getting vaccine-induced acquired immune deficiency syndrome. So they're getting vaccine AIDS, so they call it VAIDS, and they're dying of that in Israel now. So mm. once you take your booster, your immune system's almost shot. Mm. And um, away they go, they basically got AIDS. Yeah, and it was um, no less a figure than Nobel Prize winner Dr. Luc Montagnier was saying that. Uh, if you want to know what it's like to get AIDS, have a, have a booster. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. Anyway, Alana, I know you've got to move along, and uh, it's now. Um, anyway, but it's probably 
time to wind up. Next week, hopefully, we'll have a whole lot more things to say because mm. hopefully we've already analysed um, the next set of vials. It'll be nice to get Dr Matt Shilton to come on as well. We ask him. And explain it. Yeah, yeah. I, I popped the text to him, but um, I think you told me he was rather busy this week proving that proving that case, yeah. but it'll be nice. He's a lovely man, isn't he? Right and uh, he was just about to catch the train to, I don't know, Plymouth or something, and I was catching the train to the Warrapa. I suppose he wears a mask. He's probably, I suppose he, I suppose he wears his mask. But I just thought I'd try try without one. And yeah, you met one of the people I know, and I met one of the people that you know. I know. This is where we're having these discussions about: are these things divine? Are these things? Uh, these synchronicities? Uh, yeah, what a wonderful man is Pim Bird. I have, yeah. think he's awesome. And yeah. He comes to Karawa a bit, so we can Pim Bird, yes, Pim from Murapara. Now, he's, he's a man who's been shut out of his marae, where he was a senior kamatua. There's uh, the school that he only founded and is the principal of. He's not allowed to go inside it, so naturally we met there. And the, uh, I'm only halfway through the list, the Anglican church that he was about to be ordained a minister of, they've kicked him out. I don't think Jesus would have done that, so I'm not sure who they represent. But uh, and uh, the uh, Maori Party, he was a founder, a, f a founder of that, and the president for a while. Uh, so that's a party riven with dissent because there are those who are doing the bidding of the communist government for money and money and the money and power. In Parliament from the Maori Party, the two clowns in Parliament from the Maori Party, one of which isn't even Maori. Well, there you go. That saves it all. Yeah. Well, Pim Pim had it was instrumental in getting getting them in, I think, but he doesn't think so fondly of them now. He's uh, a good man. He's a very good man. Yeah, he's a good man, and you can tell oh, straight away, can't you? Yeah. You, you can tell. You can tell who the good people are straight away. Uh, why is it so difficult? Why is it so difficult for the other people to see the goodness in people who make enormous sacrifices? They're prepared to lose. All of their tangible goods and their memberships of all sorts of society. I said, "How do you feel, Pim, when you now that you've been excluded from every institution that made up your life? I haven't even finished them yet. I think oh, there's the union. He was a very proud member of the principals or teachers' union or something. They've excluded him, but he says, oh, 'I've never felt more liberated.' So we need to maintain that attitude somehow. It's not easy. Who wants to be part of?" Who wants to be part of anything that supports what's going on? Mm. No one. No one with a good heart and a good intent would want to be part of anything that supports this. No. I was uh, in an ad agency called Ogilvy and Mather, and David Ogilvy was a something of a legend. And he used to uh, make sure that every um, managing director of every office had, had this uh, St. Augustine quote on their wall and I'm just going to hope that I can remember it but it said for the world is like an olive press and men are constantly under pressure if you are the dregs of the oil you are carried away through the sewers but if you are true oil you remain in the vessel to be under pressure is inescapable pressure takes place through all the world war siege the worries of state. We all know men who grumble under these pressures and complain. They are cowards. They lack splendor. But there is another sort of man who is under the same pressure but does not complain. For it is the friction which polishes him. It is pressure which refines and makes him noble. Which I think is rather good. Uh, but that's just the men. The women, you, I don't think you've ever been a cow. I've been a cow. I know about that cowardice of failing to speak up when you when you should. And uh, I don't think you suffer from that, do you? I'm not really afraid of things. No, you're not. Uh, it's it's to never occurred up. to you. Maybe it's because of children. Maybe when you have children, you speak up for things more. I don't know. Well, there's other things that I would say that women don't speak up about, but. Um, but certainly when it comes to the threatening of the children, uh, they have been at the forefront. And, uh, Look out, world, if you hurt my baby. But the men with their trucks, uh, 
<laughs> not all men either. But the men with their truck, the men are, are coming back, making a bit of a comeback. And um, the men quite often finish things in, uh, in some quite definite ways. So we'll just see. But it's a, it's a real mix of people, this, this, this convoy. The other side will try and make it as the uh, sort of the, mm, the outpourings of the, of the unemployed, the mass, massed unemployed or something like that. They'll, they'll have their techniques. But um, they are reporting these, these protests. Yeah. And it's just a question yeah. of you know, whether the ranks are refreshed with other trucks as they come in, as others have to go, and uh, how long the sit-in and the sleep-in is, is going to take. And, uh, but Canada has provided the inspiration mm-hmm. with their wonderful flag, uh, which is appearing everywhere, including yesterday, including on the backs of trucks with New Zealand flags. Uh, so good on Canada. I don't know how that's working out for them over there. I haven't been keeping up with you. No, but they've got the same prime ministers. We've got yeah, carbon copies. Mm-hmm. Carbon copies. How, you know, when they, they put Trudeau back in, or did they? I mean, how can they vote for a man like that, a creature yeah, like that? He's Castro's son, apparently, some say. Yeah, apparently. And if you put the photos together of them, they look the same. Do they really? I didn't think Castro was that handsome. Mind you, he probably used co- all his beauty was covered up by a beard like mine. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, my shaver broke. You know, I, I don't buy shavers in Mount Monganui. I was actually up there visiting an aunt. Um, and I bought a shaver and it, it malfunctioned, and uh, and uh, you know, the, I kept I kept cutting my carotid arteries and various things um, with the unfamiliar. Um, Razor blade, so I, I gave them both up, and, and what you see and is the result. It's nice and warm for winter. It's it's warm for summer. I tell you what. <laughs> anyway, we're keeping you up, and uh, we should probably say goodbye. Thank you. This is John Ansel in the unfamiliar Thanks. position Bye. of being on video, mm-hmm. but whether we actually get the video to air, and it may just be an audio uh, podcast for Grant Edwards, who can't be with us today. Uh, with um, the fabulous Dr. Elena Ratner, and uh, we should probably, um, we'll hopefully talk again, maybe with Matt Shelton in tow about nanoparticles. Okay. Okay, see you next time. Bye.